We recently completed a North American tour opening up for Danish heavy rock band Volbeat. If you haven't heard of Volbeat yet, you will soon, as her popularity was exploding stateside, with our tour together progressing, coinciding with the release of their fifth album, Outlaw Gentlemen and Shady Ladies. For me, it's been quite interesting watching Volbeat's rise from a front row seat. Back in 2006, when we played Copenhagen, Denmark on our Sleep is the Enemy tour, Volbeat singer Michael Polson managed to get backstage and give me a CD of his band, the first Volbeat album. I get a lot of CDs, or at least I did back in 2006 when CDs were the medium of choice within the industry. And for some reason, out of all the free stuff I'm given on tour, I remembered that moment, and I remembered being given that CD, even though their star had yet to rise. A year later, Michael was on the cover of Rock Hard magazine in Germany, and I had to do a double take and think back to that moment we had in Copenhagen. Somehow, we reconnected and have managed to keep in touch over the years. And I remember back in 2006 when Michael told me they were about to do their first ever American tour opening up for Nightwish. And even though by then they were already established headliners playing two to 5,000 seaters, I wished them good luck, knowing their American journey was to be a long and arduous one. Well, lo and behold, James Hetfield of Metallica turned out to be a huge fan, and the band got on board the Metallica tour across America. And with the support of Sirius XM, and unlikely places like their song, A Warrior's Call, dedicated to Michael Kessler, you had the makings of a band on the brink of stardom. Over the years, Michael and I have always kept in touch, wishing each other Happy New Year, texting each other occasionally here and there, always casually talking about touring together, until finally we hatched this idea, and true enough, Michael brought us out this past spring. I must point out that in the fleeting, artificial, insincere world that is the music industry, to keep one's word is a true rarity. I will always be indebted to Michael, and he remains in my books a man of his word. What became very interesting was weeks before the tour commencement, it was announced that Outlaw Gentleman producer and recently departed Anthrax guitarist Rob Caggiano had now joined the band as a full-time member and their first tour together would be the North American tour we'd be on as well. Suddenly, my bridge into one of my favorite bands, Anthrax, was being realized, and knew that sometime during the tour, I had to have Rob on the podcast. We managed to record this episode halfway through our tour together. What sometimes seems to happen is that these discussions only act as a catalyst to even more in-depth, looser conversations off the mic. And true enough... This was only the beginning of more talks Rob and I had over the ensuing weeks. I now wish there was another podcast we did together. It would definitely be a little more looser and carefree and a lot more humorous. But this episode is a more serious discussion full of the meat of Rob's career. And what a career it's been. Playing on arguably some of the greatest Anthrax efforts, namely Worship Music and We Have Come For You All. To starting up The Damn Things and other side projects, to joining Volbeat, to working with King Diamond. Everything that we'll discuss, you just got to listen to this episode. I do feel the need, though, to mention 30 minutes in, there's a very discreet joke I tell about Scott Ian and Rob having talked about me, but it isn't directly addressed, and it 
kind of left the impression that I'm completely self-absorbed, which I am, but I make mention of it here in order to avoid possible humorless comments by nitwits who might hear it and think that I'm egotistical, which I am. Anyways, these days, with the advent of social media, the only thing I've really learned is that there are more people out there without a sense of humor. But anyways, let's move on. Of course, this podcast would be nowhere without the help of Yeti Blue Mic microphones and Skull Candy headphones, both being our official sponsors. And I am very, very proud to have them sponsor this podcast. Okay, here we go. Guitar wizard and record producer extraordinaire. Not to mention the lead guitarist in Volbeat, Rob Caggiano, is this episode's guest on the official Danko Jones podcast, and it starts now. Um, so how's it going, Rob? It's going good. We're trying to we're on we're on our tour bus here um, in Medicine Hat, and uh, um, we've been on tour for three weeks, and it's been uh, it's been going great. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I I, I want to keep this uh, podcast kind of casual. You know, that's that's sometimes they end up being a Q and A. There's a lot of questions I want to ask you. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious about a lot of things about you know what's been going on. I also am aware that a lot of stuff has happened in the last month for you particularly, and I'm sure you're really tired of fielding all the questions. So I have different questions okay. and other things. Um, the first thing is the most pressing. Mm-hmm. Um, when's the second uh, Damn Things album coming out? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, you know, I'm not totally sure. I, I think it's something that we all want to do. Um, there's been a bunch of emails going back and forth recently about uh you know just kind of rallying the troops and seeing where everyone's at and the fallout boys doing their thing right now they're about to get real busy and right i'm like you know just as an outsider i i would never have made the connection between fallout boy and (laughs) a couple of dudes from fallout boy a couple of dudes from anthrax getting together that in itself was uh particularly (laughs) eyebrow raising how did that even happen yeah you know it kind of uh the way it went down really was uh through a mutual friend of ours, uh, his name is David Karen. He was uh, he was the uh, the artist rep over at Washburn Guitars, and both Scott and Joe Troman uh, were with Washburn, and that's how those those two guys met, and they became real good friends, and started jamming, and you know they toyed around with the idea of of uh, you know possibly doing something you know you know on the side or whatever, and uh, you know just everyone's schedules it was it was crazy and just. But, you know, over time, uh, the lineup got solidified, you know. They asked Andy Hurley if he wanted to play drums. He agreed. He wanted to do it. Um, there was still no singer at that point. They were, those guys were just, you know, jamming some riffs here and there. Then they asked Keith Buckley to join, and then they finally asked me. And uh, I, I remember getting together with Joe the first time... Uh, I was actually uh, in a hotel room. We were still doing. It was right when we started doing the Anthrax record, and then uh, come for you. No worship. Worship music. Yeah. Right before we put, we had to put the brakes on it because of the singer scenario and all that stuff. Yeah. But uh, you know, I remember getting together with Joe, and we 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 wrote 
you know, like three songs together in like, I don't know, half hour. And it's just like, it was, the chemistry was great. And, and it, you know, it's just, uh, you know, it. I think from that point, it turned into something um, that we all took a lot more seriously. You know what I mean? Because at first, you know, those guys, we were, I remember we were all out drinking one night and they were like, you know, you want to, you want to be in this band with us? You know, the damn things. And <laughs> I was like, sure, let's do it. I didn't even know anything about what was going on, really. You know, it was just kind of like, that was a bunch of friends hanging out, you know, right. and, you know, that's basically what that band is, you know. Um, so, yeah, but at that point, you know, uh, we started, you know, writing and demoing songs properly and and uh, it just became more of a more of a serious thing. And then we, we you know, sat back and listened to what we had and we realized, you know, this deserves our time and, and our attention and we shouldn't do this unless it's going to be, you know, a focus for a while. And and. At the time, um, we weren't sure what was going to happen or when it was going to get recorded or when, when we were going to do our thing. But uh, it just so happened at the time that Anthrax, the, the, the record kind of took a left turn uh, because the lineup wasn't stable. And so we had to put the record on ice for a while. And all of a sudden, there was this huge open gap in my schedule and Scott's schedule. And, you know, Joe was basically just hanging around New York because Fall Out Boy was on hiatus at the time and, you know, Joe and Andy. And uh, so it just, it opened up this whole thing for us to do that record. And that's that's basically how that went down. And, you know, we had a blast doing it. It's it's something that I'm really proud of. I think the record came out awesome. Um, uh, it, was, it was a great opportunity for me to be like, you know, really creative and uh, as a producer and and as a songwriter and guitar so you player, so pro you produce that album, yeah, right. Um, and it's you know it's definitely something that we all want to do again. You know, it's just a matter of scheduling, and you know everyone you know everyone in the band has different things going on. And uh, like I said, Fall Out Boy's doing their thing, Anthrax is doing their thing right now. Uh, obviously, I'm here doing this, and this yeah. is you know a serious schedule. So um, I think it's going to happen. It's just a matter of of when you know uh so the, i mean the damn things um it's with scott again and and uh mm -hmm. interesting and interestingly enough i i uh i i'm i've i wondered how how you joined anthrax this is something that mm. i'm not really quite i don't i don't know how that happened uh you know well i'll start with saying that anthrax was always one of my favorite bands as yeah. a kid growing up you know if not my favorite band, you know, if not like the band that really, you know, was my driving influence for a long time, you know, as far as the metal stuff goes. Um, of all those bands, those, the, that's the band that connected with me the most, you know. Wow. Um, and maybe it's maybe it's a New York thing. I don't know. Right. There was just something in the music that just, you know, got me. And um, yeah, you know, just it, being part of the whole New York music scene, you know, we had a lot of the same friends. Um, as you as you know, the music scene and the, and the music business in general is such a small small circle. You yeah, know you I mean? end so, up meeting everyone eventually. Yeah, so we had a lot of the same friends, and you know, I definitely made it known to those guys that I wanted. You know, I showed some interest in wanting to play with them. You know, and I was pretty. Uh, I was a pain in the ass. I was, was it pretty through, persistent. <laughs> was it just through the scene, or was it through like a a, a band that your band, uh, an old band, played with them? Or like how? Like was it just 
through the scene, through friends that you got to know those guys? And which guys did you meet first and which guys were the were the bridge in the band that got you in? I kind of uh, became friendly with all of them, really, but I'd say probably more Scott in the beginning. Oh, really? I would think it would be a Paisan thing. I mean, Charlie as well. I mean, I would see Charlie quite frequently. We, we lived, you know, pretty close to each other back then. Um... So yeah, I mean, I definitely, I, I, I wouldn't say I was close with them, but we were, we were definitely, you know, we'd say what's up if we saw each other, you know, it was, right. like, it was like that kind of thing. And, and, uh, um, was it, was it an added bonus that you also had uh, a production capability for them? Because I always looked at Anthrax in this, in this era mm-hmm. and I'm like, well, they've got an in-house producer. I mean, <laughs> they always, with you. You know, it's 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 weird because the whole thing basically went down. Um, my my old band, you know, my first real band in in New York scene in, in the New York scene was a band called Boiler Room, right? And it's a band that I they had joined. They already had their thing going on, and uh, this is kind of, wow, like '96, I'd say. Okay, around that time, and uh, so I got together with the guys, and you know, we wrote a bunch of tunes, and we worked really really hard, you know. Got a big record deal, toured the world, and then, you know, well, I'll back up. We got a big record deal, made a record that we all weren't really happy with. And it, it I don't think it's anyone's fault. I just think it's the way the band was set up. It was impossible for any real vision to, to cut through. You know what I mean? Right. So we made a record that we weren't totally happy with. I, I actually recorded all the demos that got us the record deal, which in some ways I thought came out cooler than the record and the label thought the same thing but so anyway so so we toured the world we broke up immediately after that just for a million reasons you know whatever different visions different personalities all the typical band bullshit and um so at that point i was like you know that's what really sparked me to to become a producer and and say you know i could do this you know i I don't ever want to go through that again i want to you know, the next time I make a record, I'm going to be stoked on it, you know, and that's, that's kind of what, uh, would let me down that path, you know, that side of my career. And, um, you know, shortly after that, the Anthrax gig happened and, uh, you kind of you know, can't say no to that. Well, if, yeah, it finally, it finally came up and, and, you know, after, after a while of me being persistent and, you know, all that stuff. They, you know, we finally did an audition, and I was definitely nervous as hell. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it was cool, and and it, the vibe is great. And so basically, what we uh, what we did because my production career was kind of taken off right around the same time. You know, there was a band called uh, from Yonkers, New York, called uh, at the time they were called Hinge, and we had to change the name to Dry Kill Logic, and. It was, a, it was a, you know, bunch of friends, you know, local guys. And we ended up doing a record on spec. It was uh, it was me and my partner, Eddie Wall, at the time. We had a production company called Scrap 60. And uh, so we just recorded these dudes, you know, in our spare time. Did a whole record, and uh, we shopped it. We didn't even shop it. We had a meeting with one dude at Roadrunner Records, and they were freaking out over it. And they, they actually offered us... Uh, not only a, a really nice deal for the, for the band, but they also offered us an imprint 
which is pretty crazy. That's crazy, <laughs> man. So this was right around that same time that the anthrax thing oh, was happening. So right. basically what, what it was was when the anthrax gig went down, you know, they were putting ideas together for a new record, which eventually became We've Come For You All. And uh, I just said to the guys, look, let me do, let me do one song on spec. If you dig it, cool. If you don't, cool. And we did, we did one song, uh, a song called Superhero. And it came out really, really good. You know, everyone was really excited about it. And uh, those guys decided to make the record with, with, with me and Eddie. And we, we just went down that road. And I think we made a, made a killer record, you know, at the time. I, yeah, Come For You All, it was, uh, I, I think, by now it's, it's pretty much known. It was a return to form for the band mm. and a return for, for, for Anthrax. But let's let's get let's let's kind of like push past forward past worship music. Mm. I was the one I will to that showed you the newest Anthrax offering. I showed it to you. You saw it from the first time. Anthems, the EP, right, right, <laughs> which is just came out while we've been doing this tour. Yeah, um, and just looking at the song selection and just everything about it is like makes me ask a few questions. Mm. Uh, first of all, I had heard that you turned Scott on into a Rush fan. Is that true? Is that, and that's why it starts with anthems. Uh, no, Anthem. no, I don't oh. think that's true. So he was a Rush fan before. No, you know it's funny actually. We <laughs> we were just watching the movie on yeah, the bus, but yeah, no, I, I told you I was going to talk about Rush. I've always been a Rush fan. You know, they've been one of my favorite bands for forever now at this point i've seen them live countless times mm -hmm. obviously charlie's been a huge fan yeah every drummer in band. yeah of course yeah. um but you know i remember when i first you know came into anthrax you know i i, I remember scott always saying and i don't i don't dig rush i don't uh you know it's just not my thing or you know whatever i don't remember right. exactly what he right. said but um i think what ended up happening is uh he watched the movie and he became a fan just from that, and now he's like a huge fan, which is <laughs> pretty crazy. Wow! So and yeah. that and so whose idea was it to do anthem? Uh, I think it was probably a collective thing. Oh yeah, probably Charlie. You know, wanted to wanted to do it because I I think that in terms of vocal range, that's totally up Joey's. That's totally up. Yeah, I'm I'm blown away by it, by what Joey's doing these days. I mean, he's singing better now than ever, in my opinion. Uh, that that uh, the CD that just came out, the Anthems EP, like he he just floored me on all those songs. A lot of singers, you could you can kind of gauge their their aging process through the the records. The, the yeah, voice changes sometimes, totally. sometimes for the better, but usually more for often the worse. than not for the yeah. worse. <laughs> and I don't, for me as a listener, I don't see a change, and mm -hmm. I think. He was an amazing singer, although that band got a lot of flack for some reason for having a singer like Joey amidst the metal scene where everybody always used to compare Joey to Steve Perry. Mm. It didn't help that he, he, he name-dropped them as one of his favorite bands. But, mm. but I always thought that that's the thing that Anthrax stood out, was Joey's, made Anthrax stand out, was Joey's vocals. Totally. Um, so different than all those other bands. Than all those other like totally. metal bands of the time. Totally. And uh, when they went to John Bush, who I think is an am amazing singer, it's one like, of my favorite singers, amazing, amazing. singer, phenomenal. Um, he has the 
that classic voice that I think a lot of metal bands would kill for. Right. Um, but it's Joey that does have that kind of unique, you, you've, you've kind of dropped this kind of journey type dude in the middle of like a metal world. Yeah. And it's kind of, that's what made Anthrax to me very unique. Totally. Um, so it, it comes as no surprise that you guys do a journey song. Was that Joey's idea? Uh, you know, we're all journey fans. I love journey. You know, Neil Sean's one of my favorite guitar players. Really? Charlie and Ian, uh, Scott were, were, were journey fans too. Yeah. Totally. Oh. I mean, I know Charlie's definitely a journey fan. Uh, I never really talked. I don't think I had a conversation with Scott ever about Journey, but so I he was along he's for the ride on that on that track. <laughs> he just went along for the ride. Yeah, I mean, how could you not like Journey? They wrote some of the best songs of all time. We were talking the other day. Uh, I think it was in Prince George, mm -hmm. and uh, you know we, we talked about the damn things, but then you dropped this on me. That you've got another side band. Can we talk about that? <laughs> sure. Do a lot of people know about this? Uh, we, you know, we did a press release, but uh, oh. you know, it's it's pretty heavy, man. We haven't really. It's a super group. <laughs> I hate that word. <laughs> it's uh, King of Hell from uh, Gorgoroth, uh, or of Hell. Of Hell, yeah. Uh, Danny Filth from Cradle of Filth, who you've produced, right? You produced yeah, an album? I did three records for those guys. Oh, more than one record. Okay, yeah. and then. Um, who is it, Joey? Uh, John Tempesta on drums. Oh, John Tempesta on drums. Who did some stuff with Anthrax, right? Was uh, no, actually, he used to be Charlie's drum tech back in the day, way well, back in the, the day. That's but, no, the but, stuff he did with Anthrax. No, but he played with, uh, he was in Testament, he was in Exodus, he, he's, he was in Helmet for a minute, he was in White Zombie, Rob Zombie. Um, now he's in The Cult. Oh, okay. Um, so this is the, who's, who's Danny singing? Danny singing, yeah. Right. And do you guys got demos or something? Or what, what's, what Yeah, else? we got tons tons of demos. You know, it's called Temple of the Black Moon, and, you know, it's something that uh, Tom, a.k.a. King of Hell, and I, you know, we've been trying to put this thing together for years, you know. That's a scoop. Didn't know his name was Tom. Yeah. <laughs> he's a totally nice guy. I met him a couple he's times. He's an awesome guy. Yeah, he's yeah. a good guy. Um, but him and I, you know, we've been, we've been working on music for a while. and uh, How do you do that? Him being in Bergen. We did a lot of a lot of it on Skype, believe it or not. That's amazing. Yeah, we wrote, we have enough tunes for like two or three records at this point, you know, and, uh, you know, it's just been, it's been really frustrating because obviously we all live in different countries. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's even more complicated than the damn things. Um, but it can be done if it's just through Skype. Yeah, well, you know, I think the plan with that, with that thing is, is, uh, I think we're going to try to put out an EP at some point. Right. You know, obviously I'm doing the Volbeat thing now and it's it's a it's a very focused uh full-on schedule. Yeah, you know you, what I mean? Yeah, your plates are full. Yeah, and you know that's my priority right now, but I think I think uh you know that music will see the light of day at some point. Now, I got to ask is it black metal? It's not black metal. That'll be interesting for it's people. It's got uh it's got some, you know, the cool thing about it and this is why I was so stoked on it when, when we first started working on, on the tunes. You know, Tom, he's, he's a brilliant musician, brilliant bass player, but he's also a great uh, songwriter and he's, great, he's a great visionary and he's got a lot of cool ideas and he comes from a totally different place musically than I do. And uh, I think him and I really, you know, the stuff we come up with is really cool and unique and it's, it's not what you would expect, 
Let's put it that way, you know. Well, what I'd expect from the four of you, especially with Danny Filth in the mix, and if you're saying it's not black metal, um, I would think um, a very gothy, atmospheric, heavy vibe. Am I wrong? It's especially with a black moon in the title of the it's project. A, it's, it's hard to describe what it is because there's definitely a wide range of different things in there. It's it's. It's definitely a groove, like a heavy groove throughout. The riffs, you know, it's the kind of riffs that don't just whiz by you, you know, like like a lot of the black metal stuff. It's just it's stuff you could sink your teeth into, you know. It's that kind of shit. And arrangement-wise, it's it's songs. It's not just yeah. going off on tangents and because that stuff's cool. It's just that's not what we what we wanted to do with this. It's more about the. Uh, I'd you know I, I'd say. The only thing, like if you want to draw lines or whatever, the only thing similar to, to black metal and, and that whole world is, you know, that music is very atmospheric and it's more about the uh, the mood and the, the atmosphere of, of, a, of, a, of a song or a record. You know what I mean? It's not necessarily about the individual things. It's about the overall big picture, you know, and how everything adds up. And it doesn't always necessarily mean it, it sonically sounds good, but no, it's sometimes not supposed more to. More often than not, yeah. And it, but that adds to the the to the vibe, vibe. which is cool, you know. Um, but with this, it's it's a similar thing, but musically, obviously, it's like I said, it's different, you know. But it's well, it's very much a big picture thing. Well, you're piquing my interest because it sounds <laughs> awesome. I mean, I really I'll like off hell. Oh, thanks, dude. Yeah, I I, I really like Av Hell, mm -hmm. and of course the Gorgoroth stuff that he's on, mm -hmm. and I know he's a very versatile. Speaking of King, of mm -hmm. well, he was in a band called Audrey Horn in Norway, which is a big like. They're he actually, was in Audrey Horn. Yeah. Yeah. No, we we've played with Audrey Horn a few times. Yeah. And was he? Because the guy in Enslaved is now in is in Audrey Horn. Well, I was gonna add he's actually in the Temple of the Black Moon as well. Ice Dale. That dude from Audrey Horn yeah, Enslaved. Ice Dale, yeah. Oh, that's... he's the second. He'll be the second guitar player. Oh, so this is really gonna happen. <laughs> that's pretty cool. You know, we we got together out there in Norway and we jammed and it was it was killer. Look at um, you hanging out with a whole bunch of Scandinavian black metal dudes and. <laughs> I love those guys, man. They're all they're all really cool. I, I love going to Bergen, man. That scene is just so yeah. so killer and such yeah. a beautiful city. I'm a huge black metal fan as well. I mean, yeah, I, I've always I've always been into that. We kind of we kind of had a quick discussion <laughs> when uh, I think it was in um, Los Angeles at the House of Blues. Mm -hmm. You guys were you, you during your sound checks, the Volbeat sound checks. You you kick into. Uh, uh, State of Euphoria riff. Okay. Oh no, be all end all. Be all, end all. And uh, then I went up to you and I, I asked you about Behemoth. Oh if, right, right, if, right. If you got if if the Anthrax camp was aware that Behemoth had ripped off the riff and if Behemoth had mm -hmm. admitted to it, etc. Because that's some serious rippage. <laughs> like there's no doubt about you know they have State of Euphoria in their collection. They're a great band, Behemoth. You know, but they're, they're you awesome. know they're definitely. Anthrax fans, you know, we the they they were on the first big four show we did in Poland. They were the first band on the bill, and I, I, actually that was my first time really seeing them live, and they blew me away. But yeah, I was talking to uh, talking their videos to, are the probably the best in the biz. Yeah, like, they're, I mean, they're, they're killer. They rival Lady Gaga videos. They're man. killer. Um, but yeah, you know, they I think they I think they know that. <laughs> yeah. 
No, that's cool. I mean, and they 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 re, they admitted to it, and they out of respect and everything. Was it all that or? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. uh, if they deny, they're it, super then... cool. They're super cool guys. You know, really, really nice guys. That's cool. Um, did you know I've been? Did you catch today's sound check? I was ripping through some Anthrax riffs. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, I've been doing that for the last couple of days, trying to see if I can lure you out of oh shit dressing well, no, rooms I'll and be buses. There. I'll, I'll check it out tomorrow. <laughs> I was like, oh, he's in within earshot, and then I started doing um, I'm the Law. Oh okay. And uh, yeah, um, but uh, uh, you mentioned the Big Four. How? how of course, I got to ask. How the hell was that for you to do all that stuff? It was big. <laughs> no, yeah, I know. But, like, wasn't there, like, a jam at the end? Wasn't there, like, some sort of jam out at the end? Yeah, you know, almost every night uh, Metallica would invite all the other bands up on stage with them to play a song that, you know, they would they would pick a tune and they'd tell us at the beginning of the night what it was. And if we, if we wanted to go up and jam, we could. Of course, I was there every single night. <laughs> That's awesome. How could you not go up? Do there? you have photos of like you and Headfield going? Yeah, man. Totally. You yeah. rock. Totally. It's photos, it's videos. I mean, it, it was amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Those guys are the best, man. They they really treated everyone so great, and they're just so pro and so awesome at what they do. You know, such a great experience for me. Really, I, I learned so much. Just how long did that up. whole Big Four tour last for? <sighs> I don't know exactly because it was a little stop and go. We did, uh, we did uh, like Eastern Europe, and we did. It was, then there was a break. Then we did uh, California, the Indio, like the Coachella site, and then uh, the last one we did was was Yankee Stadium, which is which was insane for me, for all the, all of us. For you, <laughs> for all the anthrax guys, <laughs> it was crazy. I can imagine. Yeah, they even made that day uh, actually the. The mayor of the Bronx, he, he declared that day Anthrax Day. <laughs> I heard about that. That's amazing, man. Trip, yeah. That's a trip. That's you, trip. You started with Anthrax in 01, right? Yeah, it was like 2001. Because it's weird cause when because I, when of 9-11 and that whole Anthrax thing, you, yeah. were, the, you were there. That was my first tour. It's just the, the, the whole crazy name <laughs> thing and the Anthrax and the Well, terrorism. the crazy thing is the fucking tour got canceled. We were making our way to... Where the hell were we going? I don't remember. We were making our way across the country. We were on the bus, and, and uh, we had our friend uh, Dominic DeLuca, who's he's been friends with, with the Anthrax guys forever. I know him for a long time as well, but he was on the bus. I guess we were giving him a ride to L.A. or something. And I remember waking up in my bunk. He was waking me up. He's like, dude, you got to come check this out on TV. <laughs> I fucking... I walked in the in the lounge. Everyone was like glued to the TV sets, and I, and I actually saw the plane go into the building. Yeah, I was like, I saw it. you know, I, it sounds cliche now because you heard it so many times, <laughs> but I swear I thought it was a fucking Bruce Willis movie. I thought it was a movie. Yeah, of course. You don't think like what the hell is going on? Super unreal, insane. Yeah. So anyway, so that that went down, and uh, and then we heard that all the promoters pulled the shows because. It's just, it's just what happened, you know. The the, the whole country shut down. Yeah. I remember. Uh, I think for you, I think especially. we were hearing uh, Judas Priest was stuck in Mexico or something. Like, all these crazy stories started right. coming out, and like, and we were, uh, you know, we basically had to go, you know, go back home. And I remember, you know, the bus was driving back to New York, and we could fucking see the smoke, and it smelled weird. It was just so crazy, such a crazy time, you know. But yeah, that was my that was my first tour with Anthrax. With like the the name and the controversy with the name, 
you know I, that whole name thing it, it, I mean, looking back on it now it's just it was just so yeah, you know, I, I don't I don't think it, it hurt us in any way if anything it helped us yeah for sure you oh know, yeah it, for it sure. got it, it it became depressing for a while because you know obviously I mean they've had the name long way before I was in the band but you know we were all just like you know we don't want to be associated with all this negative dark shit that's yeah. in the news and envelopes fucking powder getting sent everywhere it's like we don't want to be a part of this it's not what this is you know and then uh we did the Jay Leno asked us to go on the show and do it we did like this comedy skit with uh Gilbert God Gilbert Gottfried about the name you know and it was just it ended up being really funny and and uh I think from that point it was like fuck it <laughs> that's <laughs> you know great. what I mean yeah yeah that's cool and I you know I think the cool thing is that the fans stuck with the band through all that stuff and and you know that means a lot I met the Volbeat guys a few years ago when they took my other band, The Damn Things, on tour. Ah, uh, okay. And that's when I, that's when I, of course I knew the name because everyone was talking about Volbeat, but I didn't know the music at all. And uh, actually none of us did. <laughs> we just, we, we said, yeah, to do the, to, to doing the tour, but it's because everyone was like, you guys got to do this tour. This is going to be great, you know? And we're like, cool, this is perfect. You know, this is, we need a cool tour. But we didn't know the music and, uh, I think it was the second show I, I stood on the side of the stage while Volbeat was playing and I was just fucking blown away, you know, with the sound and I heard all these cool influences all, you know, thrown in there and uh, it just, it kind of hit me in a way that, you know, a new band hasn't hit me since I was a little kid, you know, which I think is a really cool thing. Um, and I remember going back to the dressing room, I told Scott, I was like, you got to see these guys, you got to check them out. And he's like, he's real, you know, of course. He's real, you know, skeptical and... Yeah, right. Whatever you want to call it. It's like... Jaded? Jaded. <laughs> um, but, you know, he came out, the other guys came out too, like the next the next night, and we watched them, and they were like, yeah, these guys, these guys are killer. And then we all bought the records, you know, on iTunes, whatever. And, uh, yeah, I've been a fan ever since, you know, and we became good friends, you know, throughout that whole, that whole tour, and great guys. Yeah. Um, uh, but fast forward a little, you know, till to very recently, um, you know, I just felt the need to move on from Anthrax. You know, it was it was it was an amazing time. It was an amazing experience. I'm really proud of all the stuff we accomplished and the highs as well as the lows. You know, we really band's been through a lot of a lot of crazy stuff. And I think your time with the band is the time that resurrected the band. Wow. Thank you. I guess I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> um, I think so. But we, you know, we did some, we did some really cool things. You know, the, the, you right. know, it's, it's, not, it's not something that happened overnight. It was, it was something I've been feeling for a long time, you know, and, uh, you know, and I think those guys get it. They understand, you know, um, and I, I think, I think, because they get it, it's actually cool. I think the relationship is still cool. I mean, I love those dudes. They're like my second family, you know? That's the truth. 
Scott should be coming out to some of these gigs on this tour. I can't wait or to see one, him. One of them. I can't wait to see him. That's what he told me. When I yeah, saw he him told me the same thing. He told me the same. Oh, thing. Oh, he talked about me. Oh, he didn't talk about you. He oh. just said he, he said he was coming out oh. or something. All right. One of the shows, but whatever. No, nah, I love That's Scott, too bad. man. I, lo- I love all those guys, but you know when that whole thing went down, uh, you know I put a press release out there. It was definitely a really crazy emotional weird time for me you know i had no idea what uh, all i knew is that i was following my heart i knew it wasn't happy and i needed to make you know a major change and but here with volbeat you feel the well yeah what i was what i was getting at was when, when that whole thing went down michael had called me up to see if i was interested in in you know working on the new volbeat record and it's something that we we, I mean, we flirted around with that idea when i was on tour with them with the damn things and because he was really into that record and and then, uh, you know, when the Anthrax record came out, he was really, really into the way that record sounded and all this stuff. But, you know, it was just my schedule was so crazy. It just never seemed like it was going to happen, you know. Um, but, yeah, so he called me up and he was, <coughs> sorry. <coughs> sorry. He was like, are you interested in coming to, coming to Denmark to work on the record? And I said, wow, this is perfect. This is exactly what I should be doing right now. Um because, you know, even in my, my press release, which I think a lot of people misinterpreted and misread, uh, it was never about me giving up the guitar or me being tired of touring or any of that stuff. You know, uh, it did, you know, I did say I, was, I wanted to focus on production for a while. But, you know, for me, it, it's just the idea I had was that I would, I would book a couple of records and, you know, dive into the studio work for a while and that would bridge the gap until I figured out what the hell I wanted to do as a guitar player, you know? I, it was never about, wow, I'm never going to be out there again because that's who I am. It's what I do. I love touring. I love playing guitar. It's in my blood. Very much so. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, so when Michael called me up, and I, you know, I said, yeah, man, let's do this. And then we started talking about, you know, the vision for the album and what we wanted the record to be and he wanted to see my ideas and, just started throwing different things back and forth and uh and then he was like you know would you would you be into playing a couple of solos on the record i said totally man i love playing solos you know I'd, that'd be great um so it was all fine and good everything was cool i got to when i finally got to copenhagen him and i sat down and uh we started going through the material and uh he started showing me all these new ideas all, all this stuff was killer um and a lot of it was totally finished, but there were a few songs that weren't totally finished. And Michael said to me, you know, Rob, would it, what would what would you do here in this in this section? Or do you have any ideas for this riff or this part or, uh, you know, stuff like that? And I, of course, I had tons of ideas. Um, so I said, yeah, you know, let's let's try this, let's try that, and we started working things back and forth, and everything was working killer. And and we were collaborating and I was being creative and it was, it was an amazing feeling, you know? Um, so fast forward, you know, a few days later, we actually go into the studio, we start tracking and uh, I ended up playing more and more guitar as the days went on, on the record and songs started taking shape and, and uh, it was like two weeks, a little more than two weeks into it, you know, is when, the guys asked me if I would consider being in the band. And I was just like, are you serious? I mean, 
I, I didn't I didn't see it coming. You know what I mean? I'm not Danish, first of all. <laughs> While they're talking to each other in in Danish. Well, it's just like right know. in front of you. They're going, "We should get this guy in the van." You're like, uh, "So is there a coffee run up?" Dude, they talk all the time. I don't know what they're saying. <laughs> but you know, that I, happened last night. And and then when when there was like five Danes in the room, I just looked at you and looked at Michael. I'm like, "All right, I'm out of here. See you later." <laughs> but you know, so I told I told the guys. I said, "Look, man, let me let me think about this tonight." And let's continue this conversation in the morning. And, you know, we were recording in the studio in the, the Danish countryside in a, a town called Randers. It was basically on this farm in the middle of nowhere. But killer studio. But we all, each guy had their own, like, apartment chalet kind of setup. So I went back there that night and basically, you know, stood at the ceiling for hours just thinking about shit. And, you know... I just came to the conclusion this is this is the, the perfect situation for me. I love the music, I love the guys. Yes, it's a creative outlet. And the bands the bands doing killer right now. Yeah. I mean, it's like what I'd be out of my skull not to do this. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I went in the next morning I was like, all right, I'm in. Fired up. <laughs> That's awesome. And then, you know, from from that point uh my guitar playing duties multiplied <laughs> big time. And uh, I started looking at the record a little differently as, as a band member now. Right. Um, we were able to try some different things and, and just even the way the guitars were recorded on the record, um, the way we ended up doing it, which it, this totally goes perfectly in line with what the vision I had for, for this record and what I wanted to achieve, which was capture the magic of, of what the band does live. Because there's there's a certain thing that happens with Volbeat that when you see them live that I, I kind of feel is lacking a little bit on some of the previous records. Um, not to take anything away from that stuff because it's, it's all killer, but uh, it's one of the things I noticed when we were on tour with them years ago, when it was the Damn Things Volbeat tour. Um, their live show is just killer and there's a certain chemistry and vibe that 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 happens i, I would similar to, to anthrax too actually it was the you know same kind of thing it's like i have, you, to have to agree like the volby show is really like in your face mm -hmm. so i wanted to to capture that on tape with this new album and you know what what ended up happening is we basically tried some different things that the band never did before for one, Michael always played all the guitars on the, on those older records. Oh, okay. Um, and they they just they were used to recording a different way than what I like to do. Well, not that it's better or worse. It's just you know everyone's got their thing, and and um, I like to I like to push people to play the shit. Right. You know what I mean? It's so easy today, you know, with computers and stuff to to cheat. And fall back on things and, and a few clicks of the buttons and you, you got something that sounds perfect you know it's so easy to do that and i think a lot of producers fall into that trap and you know more often than not these days you end up with records that sound like the producer than than the fucking band and right to me it's like years ago when you bought an acdc record a sabbath record or van halen record or metallica record whatever they all sounded completely different and they all but they all sounded like the band 
You know what I mean? Today, it's like, if you take the singer off of most metal records today, you have no fucking clue who you're listening to. <laughs> That's true. You know? it. You take Bono out of U2, and you just listen into the track, you know it's U2. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just that kind of shit. So, basically, you know, we just tried some different things on this record, and... Uh, pushed pushed the the performances you know what i mean just made the guys try some different things and even if they didn't want to play it again i said you know let's you could do it better right you know it's just, just shit like that of course um and now um the one track i've heard from the new album blew me away mm. in dallas in front of him mm. uh the king diamond track right did you have anything to do with that how much of I that played is on it well yeah. what i was getting at actually Sorry, I, I didn't finish what I was saying. Oh, but sorry, sorry. The, the guitar arrangement on the new Volbeat record, uh, what we ended up going with was my guitar on the left speaker, Michael on the right speaker, Anders in the middle, and John everywhere. So what you have on tape is the sound of the band. You know what I mean? The and full, it, real band. The full band. And it just, it, I think that in and of itself adds a really cool vibe to the record. And there's a certain energy that, that kind of rips out of the speakers that I think is, is killer. I can't wait for people to hear it. Yeah, I mean, I think with your addition into the band, I think there's a whole new group of people who are waiting to hear this album, too. Mm. And like I said, I heard that King Diamond track doesn't sound like the Volbeat that everybody knows, but it <laughs> sounds heavy as fuck. Right. With Especially, I mean, and I asked Michael, I'm like, wow, this is totally different than what I, you're calling this a Volbeat track. And he's like, well, we have King Diamond on the track. We have to like... Yeah. Go full on metal. I think the the whole idea with that track was just to pay homage to to King Diamond. You know, he's he's been a huge influence on all of us. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. Um, of course, those guys have the Danish connect, connection. Yeah. It's but, like it's like us and Rush, right? It's just kind of like in your blood if yeah. you're playing rock. But it's in my blood as well because to me, you know, to me, Abigail is one of the best metal records of all time, and I still right. I listen to it. Constantly, it's on my phone. I listen to it all the time. Right, you know. So, for me, it was just—it was such an honor to be a part of something that, you know, King Diamond is actually singing on. You know, it was—it was a great, great experience. Um, so yeah, like if you listen to that song on its own, yeah. it might not make sense. If, you, in other words, that song very much makes sense in the context of the whole record. Okay, well that piques my you know interest what I mean. even more. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> I can't wait to hear it because that track was really. I mean, it was on li crappy little, crappy mm. little dressing room speakers, but right. I, 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 you know, you can hear where the song's going, and I know it's going to be ten times better than it is coming through those speakers. Mm. So I knew what it was, and it was pretty heavy. Plus, cool. it was heavy just to sit, stand there beside King Diamond and listen to it, and then when he <laughs> looks at you, you're like. This is awesome. What else am I gonna say? I'm scared. I'm scared to death of the guy. So that was cool. Um, but he's yeah, a, he's a really nice guy too. Yeah, he was, and that was a little. Really I was, nice. I wasn't expecting that, and that's what kind of got me. I was like more shocked at that mm -hmm. than um, that. First of all, I didn't. I didn't. I couldn't. I couldn't pick him out in the room because he was wearing a backwards baseball cap, <laughs> and it just wasn't. The idea I've had in my head of him all this time is either he's got his head, his hair like combed back with a leather vest or like this kind of pork pie hat that yeah, he always yeah, wears. Yeah. And he's wearing a baseball hat. I'm like, oh, and a tracksuit. Mm -hmm. I, did, I, didn't, I didn't think that would, 
I didn't think it was satanic enough. But now I'm going to go out and get a tracksuit because now I know <laughs> that that's a pretty satanic thing to wear. I didn't know until go. I saw it. Thanks, Rob. This has been awesome. You got it, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, Danko. <laughs> cool, man.